This is Ben Curtis, campus pastor at our Buchanan location, and today we're continuing our series through 1 Timothy. The big idea yesterday and today is that we honor God by honoring our leaders. And so yesterday we talked about uh, some practical ways that we do that uh, by showing respect, but also we talked about the issue of remuneration or a salary. And today uh, we're going to talk more about how we God calls us to to protect uh, the reputation of our leaders, uh, but also there may become that that moment where a leader is uh, caught in sin. And so, how do we how do we confront them in a way that's helpful and biblical and restorative? And so, we're going to be reading in First Timothy chapter five, uh, verses nineteen through twenty-two, and I'll be reading from the ESV. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's he's given him all of this instruction on how to lead a church. And you can tell from these verses, and if you've been around church or ministry long, you know this. Uh, pastors and church leaders are especially vulnerable to criticism because we're called to shepherd the church. And, and that puts us sometimes in places that are really sticky, just sin-filled situations that don't have easy answers. And, and pastors will agonize and pray and you know, you'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking about issues and problems, and, and it's just hard. And then, you know, you have the Monday morning quarterbacks every week that are calling from the sidelines saying, hey, you did that wrong or you did this wrong. When pastors have to deal with sin or, or conflict in relationships, man, that that's hard, you know, at times. And, and sometimes people don't always respond well, and a hard heart may cause them to lie uh, about church leaders. That's happened to me before. You may ask a church leader a question. Here's another example. Maybe you ask a question about a sensitive subject and and they say to you, well, you know, I can't tell you everything that I know because if I do that, I'm betraying a confidence or I'm I'm crossing an ethical line. And so, you know, you walk away thinking, well, they didn't handle that right. And the pastor walks away thinking, if I could only explain to you the whole situation, then you would understand. So again, lots of just difficult situations, and Paul encourages the church to be very cautious, to be very careful to protect her leaders from from false accusations. Give them the same protection that everybody should have. Don't listen to gossip. You know, you don't want people to gossip about you, so don't talk about them. You want your reputation and family protected, and, and so we should be especially careful in the way we protect the reputation of our leaders. Now, Pastors are people too, and, and pastors sin. Pastors, that may be a surprise, but uh, pastors make mistakes. They don't always get it right. So sometimes there's this need to, to confront. So what, what happens if you need to confront a, a pastor or a church leader? In verse 19, Paul says if there's an accusation against a pastor, there should be at least two or three witnesses. And you may hear that and, and, and think, now, wait a minute, hang on. Is, it, is this just another instance of protecting powerful people, and maybe not just powerful people, but men. Well, no, this goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 19, the Old Testament. And this is not just for pastors. This is for, this was for anyone. It says, if a single witness is not enough, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime 
or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall charge be established. So Paul is not saying here that pastors are above accusation, but he is saying, hey, let's remember uh, we're talking about leaders. First of all, back to 1 Timothy 3, these are men who have a long track record of, of faithfulness and, and character. These are men who, who are known for, for their character. It's not to mean that they can't mess up, but it's just that they have a track record. And so if a pastor is accused of something, sure, due diligence would require you to maybe ask some questions, but church leaders also deserve the benefit of the doubt, right, when accusations are made against them. If you want to know how to handle conflict and, and confrontation with really anyone, the Bible has a lot to say about it. And in Matthew chapter 18, there's a very clear process of the way that you and I handle conflict. And, and I think a lot of this can really be a, applicable, not just to inside the church, but really in the workplace and just relationships in general. Uh, this is a good process for any relationship. If there's a problem, I'm not going to read all this. You can read it. You're probably already familiar with it, but just kind of three steps. If there's a problem with a person, you should go talk to them privately. How much better would our world be? How much better would the church be if everyone just followed that principle? You know, go talk to them privately. Nine times out of ten, the situation will resolve itself. The relationship will be restored right there at that step, and there's no need for anything else to happen. But Paul, uh, or rather Jesus, when he's teaching this in Matthew 18, he says if that doesn't work, okay, then you involve two or three who go with you. And and then if that doesn't work, then and only then does it escalate to, to the church. But the goal is always restoration because that's what the gospel is about. And these standards are the same for all Christians, not just pastors. But the question then becomes, okay, what if the pastor is confronted? What if there's a sin issue and he's confronted, but he continues in his sin? So, you know, what happens? Do you just quietly relocate the pastor to another church far away, like we've seen uh, in some other denominations? Well, certainly not. There, There's some uh, some cases where a pastor's sins uh, need to be held accountable in a public sort of way. And it might be mean uh, removal from a position, but Paul says in verse 20 that if an elder persists in sin, in other words, if he's unrepentant about the sin that others have come to him about, then what are we to do? And the Bible says rebuke him publicly. Pastors are called to set an example for the rest of the church body to follow. And if we're refusing to repent of, of a sin issue, then we need to be rebuked publicly. And, and Paul says, here's why. So that the rest may stand in fear. The fear of the Lord is, is a very good thing. You find it all throughout the Bible. But the reality is when we, when we sin, and, I, and I'm not talking about just um, a one-off sin where we may blow it in a, in a moment, but I'm talking about a, a habitual sort of sin. When we get caught up in those sin patterns, we have stopped fearing the Lord to some degree. We've stopped believing the truth that nothing is hidden from His sight. And our sin will eventually be found out and it'll be exposed, whether that be in this life or in the next. When we lose our fear of the Lord, we lose our fear of sin and, and, and the consequences of sin. And so this is why I think Paul is telling Timothy that this pastor should be rebuked publicly so that everyone is reminded to fear the Lord and, and to turn away from sin. Now, 
Paul says in verse 21, he, this is really, he, he wants to really escalate this and make this really important. So he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. So Paul is saying, don't show favoritism. If one person brings uh, an unsubstantiated charge against a less popular pastor or leader in the church, we don't admit that charge. We don't listen to that charge. But if two or three witnesses bring charges against a well-liked pastor or well-known pastor, uh, we don't ignore that. We don't cover it up. We do what's commanded here and we deal with it. And so he's saying there's no partiality. There should be no favoritism under any circumstances. Now, you might ask, how do we head these sorts of problems off from the start? Well, Paul kind of anticipates that question and he says, hey, if you want to kind of cut this at the root, he says, don't be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So one way we honor God is by being cautious in the selecting leaders to begin with. Paul is saying if we select leaders too quickly and the leaders that we recognized fall into sin, well then to some degree we share that responsibility uh, because we rush them into leadership without due diligence. Back in 1 Timothy 3, again, when you think about the qualifications of an elder or pastor, one of the qualifications is that the person should not be a new convert or a young convert. And so especially you know when it comes to someone in a pastoral role i mean we have at new vision we have uh, all sorts of ministerial roles and not all of them are pastoral but when it comes to someone in a pastoral role we really need to take the time to examine their life we need to hear them preach and teach we need to talk to people that they know we need to ask them doctrinal questions and uh, questions about how they would handle this scenario or that scenario and we need to just see how how they relate to people Gifts and talents can be spotted quickly, but character is only revealed over time. So just just let that sink in. You know, no pastor is perfect, but but there are patterns that that we look for that would disqualify uh, some people from from serving. So Paul says to Timothy, when someone is appointed as a pastor of one of these churches, be careful in the very beginning and and take time. Now, could I just say something this? This is just practical. If if you have a relationship with a staff member at New Vision, just a favor, if I could ask you to do something, would you just pray for them today? You know, because after everything we've talked about, I think you get a little bit of a taste. Uh, it's difficult sometimes in ministry. And if you could just just take a pastor that you know, Pastor Brady, or just someone else that you know that, that maybe uh, you serve with or under or, or that you know, and just pray for that pastor today that God would guard them from the enemy's attacks, that God would guard them from false accusations, and, and, and maybe just even send them an email or a note of encouragement. I know that would be, mean the world to them, and, and it would really honor God because we honor God in the way that we honor our leaders. Well, that's all for today. Thank you for your time, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next podcast. Mm-hmm.